following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hats, Tats, and Stats. I, as always, am your main man, Derek Jaws, now currently known as Easy D, apparently, amongst my friends in New Jersey. And I am here with our resident stat guy, Austin Kelm. Austin, what's going on, bro? What's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, beautiful Thursday. Beautiful Thursday. It feels like fall. It's felt like fall all week, and I am living for it. I, it, really, it really is gorgeous outside. It's super nice. Yeah, any anytime I feel like I don't want to die because it's so hot, I'm in. Don't get me wrong. I love summer. I'm a baseball guy, but, like, I will take 60s and 70s with a nice cool breeze every day of the year. I, you know what? I end up liking fall because in Buffalo, there's never a spring. It goes from snowing to 95, so and that's just kind of what happens. Yeah, pretty much. So we are here. It is, uh, it is NFL Week 2. Uh, we are a day late on our recording just because, you know, sometimes life happens. But uh, last week was – it was weird. It was wild. And as always, Week 1 is a absolute crap fest. So, yeah, it's been uh, yeah, quite a few shocking uh, debacles there in week one. Although, you know what? I don't know how many of them were really shocking with no preseason, not a whole lot of amped up practice time. I'm not sure even anybody who's a so-called expert knew how anything was going to go this week. Yeah. I, uh, you know, just looking around, I mean, the some of the – well, first off, the, the one thing that wasn't a shock was the Bills – handling um the jets you know the jets we talked about it last week on the on the episode with uh with taylor and nick the the jets were just so depleted defensively that you know they shut down our run game pretty well not that it was you know not that we really tried to run the ball all that much but josh allen pretty much did whatever josh allen wanted to do uh that game very easily could have been 40 something and change in points and you know, the Bills did what they needed to do and in a very vanilla way, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I'm still being, we'll call it, healthily skeptical about the Bills at this point. Um, naturally, super happy that they won. Um, I think they did a lot of things very well. I think the defense played incredibly well, even though despite Milano and, and, and Edmonds going out. Um, but, you know what I mean, I'm still going to, I don't want to be a naysayer. I don't want to be pessimistic so early in our episode this week, Jaws. Um, you know, I, and the fumbles are the fumbles are going to happen. I mean, he needs to have better ball control. But I mean, it's with that type of play, he, he he's going to fumble every now and again. Um, I have bigger concerns with um, you know missing wide open John Brown in the end zone. Um, not that that's the end all be all. It certainly was just one play. But I look at that like if you're Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan, if you're a Pro Bowler, yeah, that's just a throw you make. It's just one that's there's no coverage, no nothing. He was just running wide open, and you launched it eight feet over his head. It's just it's just a throw that needs to happen. And yeah, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I've seen a lot of that on uh, cross social media, especially on Twitter, because you know Twitter's full of haters. But it, it's funny that people bring that up because in last week's Thursday night game, Patrick Mahomes missed a very similar throw in the same fashion. Had a guy wide open and just airmailed the crap out of it and nobody says a word about it because he's you know he's Pat Mahomes um Josh Allen makes that throw and again he's turning across his body 
you know, yeah, he had all the time in the world. He could have turned his hips a little bit more and gotten that throw in there. But, you know, he saw it. He threw it. He missed. Missed throws happen. Uh, missed throws happen in every NFL player's repertoire. You know, the there were a couple, I mean, a, a couple other big names that made not great throws all weekend. And the only one we're hearing about is Josh Allen. Now, you couple that with the fumbles, yeah, I agree. But I also put the fumbles a little bit on Brian Dable. I don't want my quarterback running 15, 20 times a game. I, I no, there's a, a, a situation that we definitely wholeheartedly are on the same page with. Um, I, I understand it's a strength. I understand it's a weapon that we use for our offense. Um, our quarterback is not a running back. It's we were up in a game that uh, our defense is playing very, very well. It's, I mean, winning by 10, the score doesn't really indicate how I feel one-sided that game actually was. That it might have been a 10-point game, but it, it wasn't close, if that makes any sense. No, it was not um, close. Correct. Um, but to be running, you know, jet sweeps and QB draws and stuff like that when you were up, you know, 14 to 21 points at some points, it's just – it seems silly. Yeah, you know, the, especially the second fumble. You know, we're up 21. We're in the red zone. You know – maybe try to establish an actual running game, not your quarterback draws, your quarterback sweeps, you know, and again, it could very much be part of a play set up. You know, we can get away with this a little bit, this game. So we're going to, and maybe there's a, maybe that same power look that they run with him turns into a stock block chip to a backside guy wide open. And Allen just kind of stops, turns and lost it back to him. You know, they, they look, you know, we look like a friggin' genius now. But when you're fumbling a ball with your quarterback running a designed run play up 21 nothing in the red zone, it just makes me it, – it's just a little bit more of those questions that we had from, you know, of Brian Dable last, last week – or last year, last two years, really. You know, just some questionable calls and questionable spots. And, and I agree with it. And I, I think a lot of times last year um, – now we're only one game this year, so I guess time will tell. Um, last year, just too, too cute – too cutesy with stuff, too, too finesse. You know, you're on, you're on the goal line and you, you don't have Frank Gore in the game and we end up doing this like jet sweep, end round, fake reverse thing that just gets blown up and we lose four yards. Like, okay, you try running up the gun on first down, then you try running up the gut or, you know, slight variation of an off tackle or something at the goal line. You try just playing power football. It fails twice, maybe even three times. Okay, maybe we get a little cute. We got to try something different with play action, whatever. Um, but for your go-to play on first down, it'd just be, hey, we're going to run this weird wide receiver thing where we're kind of, you know, four wide receivers. And, you know, it's just right. just, just put the ball in the end zone. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady scores in that QB sneak, as much as I hate to say it, like like 80% of the time. Did, we have a 240-pound sure quarterback. He, he can't just QB sneak one yard. Do we have to be cute? We couldn't just put it in the end zone? I don't know. That's just well, – and it's funny because we have some dynamics this year that we didn't have last year. So like you mentioned putting in uh, Frank Gore on, you know, on the goal line and the times that we did were also two to three yard losses at times. And to, to, to the point that I remember very specifically at a game last year, I was sitting in you know, my seats that I miss my home on Sundays, you know, in section 117 and we're, we're lined up in this, you know, in the, in the Madden goal line set, you know, where you got nine offensive linemen on the field and two fullbacks at Frank Moore or something, whatever the hell it is. And it's just this insane set. And he's going, oh, this has got to be Gore up the middle. This has got to be Gore up the middle. Or, you know what, pitch it to the outside. I looked back at this dude and said, 
this is a play action pass to the, like it's going to be play action. And it's going to be dumped to a wide open tight end who's coming from the backside. And sure as shit, it was and it worked. And he went, How'd you know that? I go, Because they put everybody in the box and just slam between the tackles when we do this. And he finally figured one out. You know, th- this wasn't a too cute thing. This was, this, this was a, you know what? When Gore's in the game, they're just sending eight or nine people in the box. So we're going to fake that. And then there's just going to be a dude wide open coming from the backside that, that whoever's in coverage on him is, is looking for run support and then it's too late. And it worked out great. You know, and that's the type of stuff when you look at him, you're like, that's a genius call. And then, you know, we go to the well, like this week, it was that fake jet sweep with McKenzie that he then turned and ran like a, almost like a, a, just that running back to the flats route. And then we turned back into the backside screen to either a tight end or a running back. The first time we ran it, I believe we ran it with Knox and it was a 12 or 15 yard gain. Then we did it again. And it was an eight-yard game, and four-yard game, and then one-yard game, and then it got stopped in the backfield twice. And eventually, you're like, "Okay, please tell me that this is showing a wrinkle for next week. Like, please tell me that this is going to be a thing where we do this, fake it, and there's somebody else we're throwing to it because that's not going to work every week. You know, that that's not going to work against the Patriots. You know, Belichick's defenses are too smart for that. I don't care who he has or doesn't have on there." Because if somebody blows that assignment, they're not they don't have a job next week, especially this year. Yep, I mean, and that's and that's I think a pretty astute observation. Um, my one of my lone critiques of, of Sean McDermott is is our ability to uh, adapt both defensively and offensively in a game plan. That you know, again, not to give too much credit, but I, I do think he's a genius uh, when you play Bill Belichick and you play the Patriots. That. Um, he makes adjustments even when things are going well, right? He's kicking your teeth in, in in the first half of a football game, and you go into halftime down whatever, two touchdowns, down three touchdowns, and you make all of your game plan changes to adjust to what he did in the first half. Little did you know he went to the locker room, and even though it was working really, really well, he changed it anyways. So that he came on the second half, and you prepared for something that he wasn't doing anymore. Right. And I feel like we just don't do that. Like if something's not working, I feel like we come out in the second half and we do the exact same thing that wasn't working in the first half, in the second half. And then it, it just unravels from there. It just kind of blows my mind that we don't adapt to the game plan and just, oh, well, this is what we practiced all week. And even though it's not working, hey, this is what we practiced. We're just going to keep doing it. And it kind of drives me nuts. It's doing the same thing and expecting different results. Isn't that the definition of insanity? You know, and I think we're we're definitely more guilty of that offensively. Um, sure, sure. You know, the one thing that McDermott does do, and I, you, you kind of saw it a little bit last year, is we would see, you know, we'd see guys turn around and say, like, oh, like, they're starting to figure out our defense, and then all of a sudden we come out in the second half and we're stifling again. Okay, well, they figured this out. Here's our adjustment, and if they figure this out, here's the next adjustment. Right. Where, you know, offensively, like, oh, well, we're going to do the same thing, but it's going to be a little bit different. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't work. Like, again, it, it's, you know, it's totally good telling it. And this is, these are complaints after a good game. I mean, right. you know, <laughs> after Alan, we won. Allen goes 33 for 46 for 312. Um, you know, Diggs had 86 yards on eight catches. I mean, it, it's tough to complain about. Like I said, the two fumbles and the missed throw are the, really the big ones. I mean, there were other throws that Allen made that, he looked like an all pro. 
you know, put it throwing guys open, moving guys off with his eyes and finding the open receiver. I mean, it's, you know, you saw it, like his, his ability to make people miss in the backfield is incredible. You know, just duck your shoulder and, you know, step up and throw. It's, it, it's insane. It's like, it's like watching some of these guys that you talk about that have had lengthy careers and good careers. You know, you know, Big Ben comes to mind. The ability to – or Big Ben could take a hit or, like, wasn't just being dragged down by an arm. Allen is big enough to get away with that and not, and not go down to an arm tackle, but also quick and athletic enough to just whoop and miss. And now I have a receiver open. It, 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 was, it, was, it was fun to watch last week, and I can tell you that much. You know, and, and something that people don't talk enough about, they talk about his misses. I mean, he did complete 71% of his passes. I mean, it's not – Yeah, he was uh, third, if thinking, third in the NFL. If good is 65, I mean, 71.7 is great. You know, I mean, Drew Brees does that with regularity, and he's probably the only one, but – Yeah, uh, he actually – I'm pretty sure if I saw if I saw correctly, he was third in the league last, this, uh, this past week. I don't remember who's ahead of him, but I know the guy directly behind him was Pat Mahomes. So he actually, you know, was more accurate than the reigning Super Bowl champion MVP, who had a pretty decent week. Um, for the, you know, for this week, anyways. Yeah, you know, two hundred eleven passing yards, three touchdowns, twenty four for thirty two, no picks. Um, Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, looking like the best thirty second overall pick ever. This week. I mean. They talked about having a dynamic player there in the first round and somebody who, who Andy Reid felt fit his offense very, very well. Uh, and it took literally one week and his first game to prove everything that Andy Reid thought about him correct. Yeah. Yeah, 138 on 25 touches. It was, it was insane. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers looking like he was back to form. You know, 32 for, 40, 32 for 44 for 364 and four. I mean, that's tough to take, but I mean, they, they needed almost every bit of it with the Vikings on their heels the whole game. I mean, that you know, I didn't didn't get to see a ton of that game. Um, but I mean, 30, 43 to thirty four is it, it, it's a tight one. You know, it's tighter than you probably want it to be when you score forty three points. Right. You know, you know who surprised me the most, and I think it can be a very interesting year for them. And maybe this is a no brainer. Uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, in, incredible. I mean, it looked to me that Pete Carroll finally kind of gave him the reins to the offense and said, hey, listen, this offense now runs through you. I mean, it's not like it didn't before. But as a team in the past, and really I would say much of Russell Wilson's career, is we're going to run the ball and have elite stifling defense. And all you have to do is not turn the ball over and we're going to win. And that has been really the thing he's done for a good chunk of his career. Not that he's any sort of, you know, management specialist and just a clock operator out there. He can certainly make all the difficult throws, but I mean, on Sunday going, I mean, 31 of 35 for 322 and four touchdowns. I mean, he only threw four incompletions in the entire game. He had as yeah, many so touchdown passes as he had incompletions. There's, there's one. Absolutely. Of, there's one of the, one of the two guys that was more accurate than Josh Allen this weekend. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, I, that's just, that's an insane stat line. That's, yeah. that's legit. Yeah, that, you know, and that was, I mean, again, and that, that was a Falcons team that, you know, didn't, didn't have a bad day. Ryan, 37 for 54, 450 yards and two touchdowns. Like, you know, that, that's, that's not a bad day for uh, the oldest offense in the league. Right. right. Well, when you got Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, that you're going to be able to throw the ball pretty, pretty regularly. That's... The, uh, the Chargers and the Bengals had a bit of a barn burn, huh? 
Yeah, you know what? That was an interesting game too, because you know the Bengals came out and and Joe Burrow ran that touchdown in from like twenty yards out, and I was like, holy crap, man, he came to play. I was like, Joey's out there balling out, and then they lost <laughs> in like the most Bengals way possible. They had, uh, I want to say, they had a go-ahead touchdown that they that was dropped, and then they missed the field goal to tie the game. So <laughs> it's, it's well, so look, looking through it here, what it, what it was is uh, there was the the offensive pass interference call on on AJ Green right? on, on a touchdown, and then the missed field goal that would have sent it into overtime from there. So that's that's a tough way to drop your first NFL start. But I mean, you know, I I don't know who the Chargers are. I don't know how good they are. I know that Tyrod Taylor is not going to go out and win you a football game, but as he showed, he's not going to lose you one either. Um, you know, I think defensively, honestly, I think they're a top five unit this year. I think they're yeah. defensively unbelievable. Honestly, as much as I love the Bills' defense, it would not surprise me if the Chargers statistically had a better defense than Buffalo does this year. Nice, solid, bold claim there. So uh, I got to ask. I, honestly, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how much of a bold play it is. This I look at their team and I look at how they're they're broken down. I mean, now that being said, they did lose Derwin James this year, which I mean, he's their all-pro strong safety. He might be the best safety in all football. He's healthy, and they so, so him going down certainly hurts them. But I mean, their their cornerbacks were unbelievable, and they added perennial All Pro Chris Harris from the Broncos last year. So now they have three legit All Pro corners. On top of the fact you drafted Kenneth Murray in the first round this year to show up in middle linebacker, and then they got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram playing defensive line. I mean, they've got some just straight up superstars on their team. You sure do. I'm looking through. Looking through their starting front right now with Bosa, Linval Joseph, Justin Jones, Melvin Ingram, Kaiser White, Denzel Perriman, Kenneth Murray, Casey Hayward, Rayshon Jenkins, Desmond King II, Chris Harris Jr., and Michael Davis. So, I mean, that's, that doesn't suck. Nope. It's, uh, and really, and it's not to say that Buffalo doesn't have, have good players, but, you know, we don't have, we don't have Joey Bosa. We don't have maybe the best defensive end in football. I don't, you know what I mean? It's, I think our secondary is very good. Having White certainly unbelievable, and Employer and Hyde are maybe the best safety tandem in the league. Oh, without question. But I think I, the depth that the Chargers has really is what makes them an elite unit. Well, I, I don't necessarily because I, I feel like the Bills are overall deeper. You know, because how how big is the drop off from Joey Bosa to his backup? I mean, versus, when he doesn't come off the field, there is no back. <laughs> There's no trouble. Right. But, but Joey Bosa Joey has also had injury issues his entire career. Very true. Very true. So, it's, it's ironic you say that. I think they added him to the injury report. Now he's going to play, but I, I do think he got knocked right. up in that game. So, I mean, you know, there, there's a guy that, you know, again, how how good is he compared to his his, his replacement? You know, what, what what's the war stat on that guy? How, how much better is he than the next guy? Because when right. I – when I say I lose Trent Murphy, and his backup's almost as good, you we're know, right. deeper. Your your number one might be better, but my one, two, and three are pretty close. So right, but you know, I mean, assuming or hoping an injury, I'm not sure how much that. I, know, again, I, I I I mean, when, when we're talking about depth of talent, really is what it, is what it comes right. down to. Is is Joey Bosa better than every defensive end on our team? Probably. Is you know is, is our defensive end core better probably like your top two might be better than my top two but my top four are better than your top four if right. at bare minimum they're even which means if one of your two 
comes off the field, my defensive ends are better. Right. And Which no one's on the field true. for every play. Right. Well, so, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But cer- certainly a stout unit, you know. Agreed. Because they're, they're going to be relied upon now. Because like you said, Tyrod Taylor is not going to go out there and, and put up three, 375 and four scores and go, oh, the defense can take it easy this day. We can just pin our ears back and pass rush. We don't have to worry about it too much. It's Nope, they're going to have to scratch, claw, and, and dig in every single game. Yeah, they, they better be in shape because uh, those are, those are going to be, as our defense found out, the Tyrod Taylor had man in your offense, it's going to be a long day every day. Right. The, uh, the Cardinals definitely don't look like they suck. Yeah, you know what? That was another interesting game, really. I thought the, the Niners were going to have that one, and, uh, and it just did not work out that way. Kyler Murray went full Kyler Murray on those guys, and the addition of uh, maybe MVP candidate DeAndre Hopkins has been unbelievable for their offense. You talk about one guy kind of transforming what your offense does and what they can do, and Hopkins has done exactly that. Yeah, it's – that is, you know, if you want to compare it to, I mean, they had they had a good good crew there last year, and you know, Kyler Murray had, didn't didn't disappoint, and now he's got arguably the best receiver in football, and I mean, this this is the equivalent of you have two two good two good players and like um, not a third guy who's okay, versus now you add somebody who's better than what you got, now your two and three are ten times better. The rest kind of just fills in, you know, and that's kind of what the Bills did with Diggs, and now you know that's what these guys did with uh, with D-Hop and you know adding to that offensive power. You know what? And I, I don't think Kyler Murray likes him very much. He only targeted him seventeen times, so I mean that's just that's just tell you how he how much he doesn't like throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. When when you only have fourteen catches for one fifty one, when I target you seventeen times, you like you're just not very good. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he might as well be a scrub and a backup at this point. It's just I, – I am surprised he didn't score a touchdown, though, honestly. I, I, I'm surprised <laughs> that they, they did manage to keep him out of the end zone. So, you know, next closest guy, Larry Fitzgerald had four catches. So, he had ten more catches than the next closest guy in their offense. Um, you know, the, the, Saints, the Saints spoiled the Tom Brady Buccaneers debut – Yes, they and did, and I took the Buccaneers in that game like an idiot. I did too. That was the only one I got wrong this week. That was the only yeah, you one. and me both. You and me both. But uh, you know, listen, I, you know, and I'm I'm sad I lost out on that one because you know I, I didn't go five and all on my pickups this week. However, I, if that's the sacrifice that I have to make for Tom Brady to lose a football game, I'm I'm strangely okay with it. I'm yeah. really just fine with it. Yeah, without question. Yeah, I'm I'm as okay with that as I am watching him sit his ass on the free agent wire in our one fantasy league because I just love yep. seeing it. But uh, that's the Tom Brady rule. It's it's funny because you uh, you mentioned him, you know, scoring on a quarterback sneaks and he snuck in, you know, he QB sneak for his first touchdown of the season. <laughs> um, you know, he also threw a pick six on just a bad, bad out route. Um, you know, those 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 ten yard outs are dangerous. You know, that that's one of those things you gotta put that ball in one spot. And that spot is my guy catches it or it's out of bounds. And that was not the case. And that ball was not close. It was not well thrown. And it went the other way quick. I, I also think that those out routes require an awful lot of arm strength to get the ball over there before that corner can, can jump that route. And at 42 years old, I do not think that he has the arm strength to zip that ball over the sideline fast enough. You know, and it, it's funny because I watched, uh, watched a little interaction between uh, – 
between the, the old man, Tony Sekaturski, and a uh, buddy of ours, Nick Jakubowski, going back and forth. Because Jack was a big Brady fan. I, you and, know, I, I, I saw that one too. I t- yeah, that was, it was definitely interesting because, you know, Tony making the argument that Brady was the best quarterback that's ever run Belichick's system. And without that system, he's not going to be that good, which no matter, no matter what, you're always going to be able to throw that back. And, well, he's also 42. Maybe if he was 35, this would be a different story. Well, we're never going to know, but I mean, all which is true for everybody. I, yeah, you know, and it, it, it's just one of those things for me that, you know, is, is Arians going to call passes that Brady can no longer make? But we've all, you know, I say we all, the world has been fooled that he can make and has been able to make. I don't know. I mean, I, I watched him spike a screen pass that was set up to go for a while. Fournette had blockers and field for days, and he put it at his feet, and he had to fall to catch it. Like, it's not like Brady was going to get hit. It was just a bad throw. And I, I think we're going to see more and more just bad throws coming from him in an offense that doesn't fit his strengths the way a Bill Belichick offense could. Because the one thing that Billy Boy does really well is say, this is what we do well, and we're going to have to do it great. Yeah. You know what's funny? And one of those uh... – humorous statistical exaggerations that like NFL memes and those guys do is uh, like last year, Jameis Winston threw, you know, whatever, 33 touchdowns against like 31 picks or something like that. And right now Tom Brady's on par for 34 touchdowns and 34 picks. Right. <laughs> it kept going exactly the same as it was. Now, obviously it's only one game and it's certainly a, a joke exaggeration, but um, the, the comparison's there. You, you managed to not even throw for 240 yards in your first game, and both of your interceptions turned into touchdowns for the other team. That's and, that's a tough way to start. You can't blame the talent around them this year because that is as good of an offensive lineup as I, as there is in this league. You know, between. So I'm. I'm curious as to. What, if I remember correctly, I want to say that Peyton Manning had a really good first game and his first game not with Indy. Looking up Peyton Manning's first first game with Denver, huh? I am yes. I, I want to know. I want to know what his stats were that first game. Well, while you look that up, I'm going to get on my uh, get on my horse here and start talking crap about the Cowboys because I love talking crap about the Cowboys and it's going to stem. We're going to, we're going to revisit this conversation in a minute. Um, the Cowboys lost to the Rams, which I love because watching the Cowboys lose when every Cowboy, the Cowboys fans to me remind me of Yankees fans and they use the, we've won so many and we're, you know, the best team in the country and we're so good. And then like, okay, but you haven't won in a long time. So you really suck, but you're living on history. I don't know. Can't talk too much about that because the Bills went to four Super Bowls and lost them all, and that's kind of a thing that we stick to. However, watching the Cowboys lose like this is hilarious to me because you lost to the Rams, who lost their top running back, who, I mean, and Aaron Darnold is just a man among boys on the football field, but that dude – Defensive end, as we learned with Cleo Mack, or defensive tackle in his mind, in, you know, in, in his case, doesn't make or break a team. 
if you can't score points. The fact that that offense was held to 17, I think, is, is indicative of I don't think Dak's the guy. See, now, you and I go back and forth on this. I, I, I think he's fine. I don't know if it's the offensive play calling. I don't know if it's, it's, it's what they're doing around him. Um, I mean, again, passing for almost 5,000 yards last year and, and, and mid-20 in touchdowns is, is pretty legit. I mean, it's, it's better than most of, the, most of the quarterbacks in the league, quite frankly. I mean, and Tony Romo did stuff like that for years, and really it's kind of indicative of the same argument, that Tony Romo was a, a pretty regular pro bowler. Um, he has some of the – some Cowboys records, which when you have a historic franchise like that with Hall of Famers on it, and he has Cowboys records. He certainly was no slouch at the quarterback position, but he had his, his fair share of naysayers and doubters. Um, that he's not the guy. He can't win a playoff game. He's not what you're looking for. You know what I mean? That's, that's almost the same exact argument, just with a different quarterback. Right. You know, and, and it comes to the, you know, it comes to the argument of like, okay, so have they have the offensive systems there not been great? Or, you know, okay, so Romo has records, but we're also playing in a record-breaking era of throwing the football. You know, it would if, Correct. If, if Aikman played in the modern NFL, would he would those records be twice as high? You know? Well, no. I mean, correct. I mean, that's not the end all be all. I mean, if Josh Allen winds up being some all time Buffalo Bills record holder, does that make him better than Jim Kelly, or did he just play in a different era than Jim Kelly? I don't think anybody's ever going to say that he's better than Jim. That's just not a thing. Well, not until he wins one. Well, well <laughs> and you know what's stupid? It's in sad. He only needs one. Yep. <laughs> only yep. got to win do, one. Do the one thing big, big Jim and the boys couldn't get done. Win it. Right. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm holding strong on my bold claim that a two and three Cowboys team going into week six sees the red rocket at the helm. And I'm going to ride that pony till it's week seven. So, you know what? That's another one, John. And, I, you know, I saw that on social media and you had another conversation going back and forth that if I wasn't on my way to work, I would have <laughs> dove into this conversation, but um, that somebody had made a point to say that, you know, um, Andy Dalton should be the starter, period, that, that Dak's not the guy, he just doesn't have it. And really it was the simple question I have for this individual was, what about Andy Dalton's career leads you to believe that he is just unquestionably the starter and absolutely deserves to be the guy? Is it the fact that he's only thrown for 4,000 yards twice in a nine-year career? You know what I mean? Is it the fact that he's never won a playoff game in his career, that in his four playoff games he has one touchdown and six picks? Like, what about his career leads you to believe that he's just some stud in waiting that he just needs to be the starter? It just kind of floored me. I'm like, what are you backing up this information with? So, I mean, thrown he threw for – I mean, so, okay, so he threw for almost 3,500 yards last year on a god-awful Bengals team. Um, I mean, for a long stint there, yeah, I mean, his first year in the league, 9-7, and 10-6, 11-5, 10-5, 10-3. I mean, like he wasn't winning football games. 3,400 yards, 3,700 yards, 4,300 yards, 3,400 yards, 3,250, 42, like, I mean, it's not like he's a slouch. 20 and 13, 27 and 16, 33 and 20, 19 and 17, 25 and 7 in 2015, 18 and 8. I mean, he, it's not like he's got a bad touchdown to pick, pick ratio. It, you know, it's, I mean, and his stats took a downturn 
when the team took a downturn. When you lose, you know, when he's when he's throwing to two of the best receivers in the league, he's put up big numbers. When he's throwing to a, a broken AJ Green and some other dudes, I mean, you know, we're now so like you you look at Dak. 36, or 3,700, 32, or 3,300, 3,900, 4,900. And, you know, 23 Touchdown to pick ratio, incredible. Yeah, 20, 23 to 4, 22 to 13, 22 to 8, 30 to 11. So the touchdown to pick ratio is better. I mean, yardage-wise, they're close. Uh, completion percentage career for Dak is 65-8, 62 for Dalton, over a longer career. Um, you know, I mean, there it, it's not like there are a huge difference here. The I think the biggest difference is thirteen and three is a you know his first year nine and seven ten and six and then eight and eight with arguably a much better defense or a much better offense and defense than Andy Dalton ever had. I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think that at early on in Dalton's career, I think they kind of had focused on. On defense, you know, they drafted him and A.J. Green in the same draft. So he's had that elite number one receiver basically his entire career. Um, but, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, it's not like they didn't have, you know, Vontez Perfect. They didn't have uh, Carlos Dunlap. They didn't – you know, like, they, they've had guys there who can certainly play defense. Now, were they unbelievable? They, I mean, top in the league? No, they didn't have the, the Pats defense or Baltimore's. Um, they, they weren't slouches either. Um, but I think Andy Dalton gets a lot of the kind of the same flack as Romo. I mean, Romo was better statistically as a passer, um, but never winning a playoff game, having a, 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 a an opinion about you that it's just, hey, he can't win the big one. He doesn't have that X factor, whatever you want to call it. But it just wasn't it wasn't in the cards for him. He just it never happened. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't and, and don't get me wrong. A lot of my take on the Romo situation is they offered him a $400 million contract. He said he wanted more. And I, regardless of whether it's you're not getting, I think, done, I think you mean Dak. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm good like, for one. I'm like good Tony, for one week. Tony Romo will still be playing for $400 million. The hell with TV. That's where he's going. Yeah. Uh, you listen, I'm good for one a week. All right. There it was. <laughs> so Dak turned down a $400 million contract, said he wanted more. And whether it's a, you like you're not getting it done, so we're gonna like give this give the kid give this other other dude a shot. Or it's a you know what? Maybe we need to light a fire under Dak's ass and do what they, they do to do to Dak what you know the Bills did to Tyron with Nate Peterman. You know it might blow up in their face, but if they lights a fire, you know again I I also don't know if Jerry Jones is paying a guy if he's gonna go get hundred again. Especially when you basically told him pound salt with the last contract you offered him. I th- and, and for me, that's a lot, That's where a lot of this comes from. You know, do I do I think Dak is a terrible quarterback? No. Do I think Dak is worth what he wants monetarily? No. And I think that's working against him when you start talking about a team that's going to be. I mean, if they go five hundred the next two weeks, in not the easiest schedule, I, very possible they could be sitting at two and three. You know, I, I thought I had them winning this game against the Rams and then losing three of the next four to go two or three. So the fact that they lost I mean, game one, like 
It'll be it'll be interesting for sure. But I think as far as economics goes, I think that you are worth what somebody's willing to pay for you. You know what I mean? Joe, Joe Flacco at one point was the highest paid quarterback in the entire league, not because he was the best quarterback in the league. I mean, I really thought Flacco was barely top five, and I think you can make an argument that he was worse than that, but he was the number one paid guy because he won a Super Bowl in a contract year. Right. And that's, I mean, to talk about cashing in at, at the most opportune moment possible, um, I think that Prescott was trying to do the same thing. Now, clearly, he didn't win a Super Bowl. But almost 5,000 passing yards and 30 touchdowns in a contract year, I, 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 Jesus, I think everybody else gets paid. <laughs> I think everybody else is making money. I mean, you, you could make that argument for, uh, you know, for Jameis Winston then, too. I mean, he didn't throw 30 t- interceptions, though. I mean, that's not the same thing. I mean, but still, you could make the argument if you're putting up, if you're putting up those stats, you know, maybe you're not making 400 million, but maybe that's worth 300 million, 250. But, you know, the name of the game is winning football games. And that's something that, you know, especially down the stretch, late in seasons, is something that Dak struggled to do. Um, I mean, I look at it like with four years of Dak Prescott as a quarterback, they've never had a losing record. Right. Uh, it's, like, it's, sorry, sorry. Never, never finished with a losing record. I'm sure they've been below 500 before, but they've never had a losing record to finish the season. His, his biggest issue is, he's, is they usually, usually start off like gangbusters. They usually start off as the team to beat in the NFC East, and then the NFC East is just it turns into the division that doesn't want to win. Like the last three or four years, that that division has just been like, no, you take it, no, you take it. All right, can we have somebody go seven and nine and make the playoffs? Like, <laughs> it, it's just it's gotten rough, and you know you saw that with the at one point the Eagles in the power rankings this year were top five. Like, I think they were number four on a lot of guys' lists, and they just lost to the Washington football team. Yep. So Probably, probably the, the surprise of the weekend for me. Without like, I mean, that, that's the big one. We were going to get there, but, you know. I mean, he, he, Eagles were up 17, 17 points and allowed them to score 20, 21 unanswered points and lose. Yeah. So, I mean, that was – divisional games in week one are always tough, but, but damn. I mean, that was – I think everybody had Washington as probably the worst team in the league this year. And for a top five power ranking team to lose to that team, I think was, was a big shock. Uh, the other thing I was a little surprised by, Big Ben looks old. I mean, made some great throws, still has some life in that arm. But damn, he took a couple He took a couple hits every, almost every time he picked himself up off the field. He almost looked like he was the living embodiment of, I'm too old for this shit. I mean, that's – and he might be. It's – you know, we make jokes about your age. At, at 38 years old, even at the quarterback position, you are no longer a young man. No. You know, obviously them, uh, them sticking it to the Giants a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't know what the Giants are going to be this year. I don't know if that, you know, was, was Saquon Barkley's what, nine or 14 rushing yards or whatever it was. Is that indicative of the, the reinvention of the steel curtain, or is that, uh, you know, is that indicative of the Giants just not being a good football team again? I think, <laughs> I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Um, I do think that Pittsburgh's defense is, is underrated. Um, as, a, as, a, as a franchise that normally prides themselves on having an elite defense, um, that's what they do. I mean, and to have 
uh, you know, Casey Hayward there as, uh, as a defensive end. Or, and then uh, somebody was injured too. Stephon Tuitt was a guy who I think missed most of last season, and he comes back in. And then they drafted Devin Bush, the middle linebacker. He's in his second year now. Um, you still got Joe Hayden playing quarterback. You, you traded for Minka Fitzpatrick last year, who was a first-round pick safety. They themselves drafted uh, Edmonds's, I think, younger brother um, to play strong safety, and they've invested multiple, multiple first-round picks on defensive players. Um, they haven't always been healthy at the same time, but it's they're starting to show when they all play together how much draft capital was invested in this group. And yeah, and yeah, the Giants might not be very good. <laughs> yeah, that, that may also come into play a little bit. So, what's uh, you know, you you already mentioned your biggest surprise from last week being the Washington football team knocking off the Eagles. Was there anything else that kind of stood out last week? And then uh, we'll go into a little a quick a quick look forward to this week. Um, you know what? There wasn't a whole lot of surprises. I, I was with you again. I thought the Bucks really were going to win that game, um, but that probably wasn't my my surprise of the week, really, the uh, the Washington football team coming out and beating the Eagles by ten. I think that was the that was a big one. That was yeah. that was quite surprising. I, I, I did I, not see that coming. I thought the Eagles Eagles would have that one handedly, and it did not happen. Yeah, I I mean I thought it would be even if it was close. I thought it would be an easy win, kind of like how the Bills was was closer than the game actually was. I thought it might look a little bit like that, but that that game was definitely a shock for me. I also found the um, how badly the Browns got beat up. Um, I thought, you know, because they, they, they're, I believe they were one of two regular season losses for the Ravens last year. Um, and just seeing them handled that, that easily across the board, I think was surprising. And my big one was Minshew Mania, the Jags knocking off the Colts. Um, you know what? I, I, I like Gardner Minshew too. I think he takes a lot of flack, uh, but I, I don't think calling it the Minshew experiment anymore, I don't think it's a fair assessment. I think they're going to go forward like he's their guy. The people are saying the Jags are going to tank. They want Trevor Lawrence. They want one of these guys in the draft next year. That's who they're going for. I think they're just fine with their quarterback choice. You know what? I, I, think, I think what you're seeing over there, and we kind of talked about it a few weeks ago, I think you're seeing the cleaning out the garbage a little bit, kind of getting rid of the flack, the, the pieces that don't fit and they're either they're going to see if Minshew is their guy and then if they have a higher draft pick because they're they're not an overly talented team this year they can start filling around him or and low-key part of me hopes this happened on one hand a part of me hopes it doesn't on the other because if even if they do even if he does have a good season but they don't think he's their guy I'm you're going to see Gardner Minshew go somewhere else and in Drew Brees-esque fashion shove it up their ass every year because you're going to see him go to one of two places, and here's another bold claim out of me, apparently. He's either <laughs> going to go to Dallas because they're not going to want to pay Dak what Dak wants to get paid, and he's going to put plug into that offense and look like a fucking all-star. Or he's going to come to the AFC East and be the heir apparent to the Bill Belichick empire because he's already been known to be a guy that wants to be mentally there because he wanted to go walk on at Alabama just to learn from Saban. And this dude is going to shove it up our asses for the next 10 years. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm hoping he stays in the NFC. If, if, if he does leave Jacksonville, I'm hoping he stays in the NFC. And I'm kind of hoping for him to go to the Cowboys. But 
I mean, and to piggyback on that, Josh, who had the uh, the highest completion percentage of week one? Uh, it was actually Gardner Minshew going 19. Yes, it was. 19 of 20. And three touchdowns. One incompletion. Yeah. So it was him, Russell Wilson, and then our boy Josh. So, all right, man, I know we're uh, we're on a little bit of a time crunch here. So let's look forward to week two. What a – you know, we, we got our picks out. They're out on the Facebook, uh, the Twitter, the Instagram, all the social medias. They've been shared and posted and all this other stuff. What are your uh, what are your, your games of the week? And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe give me a potential upset of the week if you got one. You know what? So, so looking at the schedule for this week, there's a couple of games that I automatically have my eyes on for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, I think Pat, Pats and Seahawks, I think, is going to be how, how well can Bill Belichick slow down the new – all cylinders firing, go through Russell Wilson, passing attack. Um, I think that could be an unbelievable game. Um, and then kind of on the, the opposite side of the spectrum here, um, believe it or not, I think the, the Bengals and the Browns, um, as stupid as that might sound, you know, both those teams are, are 0-1. Uh, the Browns getting their teeth kicked in last week, and the Bengals losing a close one based on some, some we'll just call it bad luck. Um, but Going 0-2 is, is certainly not the way you, you want to start uh, your season. And I think the number of 0-2 teams that make the playoffs, I think in NFL history, I think you can count them on one hand. So going 0-2 is like the death sentence for your season. That just kind of means it's over. Um, so I'm intrigued to find out which one of those teams scraps out a win there. Well, and that, that's a divisional matchup too. Correct. Always, always and, important. And so going 0-2 with an 0-1 divisional record, if you're Cleveland, it would be an 0-2 divisional record. That's almost a kiss of death. I mean, that, right. that, that, that could be – that's a wrap because you still got to face them again and you still got the Steelers twice who look to be pretty darn good. Right. Oh, and, and you have to play Baltimore again. And, and to piggyback on that, you know, the Texans and the Ravens. You know, it's, uh, it's an almost thing. So not so much for the Ravens, but uh, the Texans after losing week one to the Chiefs, uh, going 0-2, losing to a very good Baltimore team that really – I don't want to say they should lose too, because really anybody can win that game. But some, that's a rough way to start the season is going against the Super Bowl champs and then Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in week two. Uh, and like we said, starting 0-2 is almost the kiss of death. That, that's a tough way to start your season. As Absolutely. a team that was probably a Super Bowl favorite going into this season. You know, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued to see what the Minnesota Indy game looks like. Um, you know, they both played – Pretty decent games last week. They both ended up on the, on the, on the down end there. Um, I think finding out what L.A. and Philly look like against each other is going to be a fun one to see. Uh, the Denver-Pittsburgh matchup is going to be fun. Um, and, again, I love me, love me some Gardner Minshew. I want to see what they can do against that stout Tennessee defense and running game. And I, because I'll be honest with you, I still don't think that Tannehill is the answer, but I think Derrick Henry could be close for a big, big week this week. And, of course, we both have the Bills toppling the Dolphins, squishing the fish, and hopefully we don't have a repeat of the laces out incident, especially against Miami. Absolutely. So I, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to see Tyler Bass have a little, little bit better week this week if he's called on to kick some field goals. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see – you know, I think Miami's secondary is a little bit better than the Jets, uh, so I'm excited to see what our offense can do across the board. I'd like to see the running game move a little bit more, and you know, see Josh perform against a better, a little, a little bit more, more talented secondary. Absolutely. So, 
I think that uh, I think that about wraps us up here, man. If there's anything else on your end for the good of the order, no, man, I'm I'm good. It was a pleasure as always, bud. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get some answers and kind of sort out the the pickums for the week, and me and you can break our tie and maybe take over take over on Taylor. And uh, thanks for joining me. We'll uh, you know we'll get this out. We'll uh, we'll see see who see who joins me next week. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you. Yeah.